mighty. Hey, would you uh, throw that slide up on the screen for me? Has that quote on there for me, would you please? There we go. Would you read this out loud with me, please? God can do more than redeem us. He can restore us. Read it again, please. God can do more than redeem us. He can restore us. Last week in, in the series called Faces of Hope, we talked about God's redeeming hope. And uh, it's my favorite message that I could ever do because here's the good news of the gospel. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, how far or how long you have run from God, guess what? God stands with open arms and is willing to forgive you and to receive you as his own. Um, God can take all of these things that the enemy has meant for evil in our life, and he can redeem them for good. And if you missed that message last week, I hope that you will listen to it or watch it. And here's what I want you to know. If you haven't done anything else, if you've not taken that step, I double dog dare you today to open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him do something amazing in you. He has, and he can give you redeeming hope. Amen? Well, today, I want to I take a step further with that because God cannot just redeem us and save us. God can restore us. What's that mean? Let's talk about it. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture with me. A great story from Mark chapter 1. This is from the New Living Translation. Look at what it says. It says, A man with leprosy came and he knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with this stern warning. Don't tell anyone else about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went, of course, he didn't listen to what Jesus said. The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Now, on the surface, you know, when we read this story, um, it, it looks like, well, here's a story of a leper that was healed. It's just one more story of Jesus healing a man. But we miss it because Jesus did more than heal this man. Jesus did this incredibly restorative work in his life that we sometimes overlook. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, track with me. I want to give you a, a, a few thoughts from this story that I, I think can rock our world if we give God a chance. Here's the first one. God cares as much, God cares about your relationships as much as he cares about your soul. Let me say that again. God cares about your relationships as much as he cares about your soul. When we read this story of the leper, 
it's again, it's easy to just see that, well, Jesus healed the guy, his leprosy was gone. But we miss the fact that what Jesus was really doing, the deeper work, the broader work, actually the bigger work in this man's life that Jesus was doing was restoring him to be able to be around other people. You see, when, when we hear the word leprosy, we, you know, we just kind of, well, that's just a, something, oh, ancient disease. And we, we don't really get what was going on for people. It's not something we deal with. Uh, here in 21st century and in America very much, um, but it was something for them that they were deathly afraid of. People who had skin diseases of all kinds kind of got all lumped into leprosy, but leprosy was so feared by the people that nobody would be around them. In fact, I want you to look at what this man endured dealing with leprosy. From the book of Leviticus chapter 13, this is how lepers were dealt with. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. Kind of like your eight or nine-year-old that you have, you know. It says, they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they must be, they will be ceremonially unclean. Now read this last sentence with me. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Now let that sing in for a second. They must live in what? Isolation. Now, all of a sudden, picture with me. You see, when we read this story, we just think of a guy who had a disease like anybody else. But this was a guy who had to publicly, whenever he went anywhere, he had to yell at people, I'm unclean. People had to stay 10 to 15 feet away from him. He was not allowed to come in the city. He was ceremonially unclean, which means he couldn't go to the synagogue. He couldn't go to the temple, couldn't go to church, couldn't be around those kinds of events. He was to be outside of the city in a camp, isolated all by himself. So when Jesus saw him, He didn't just see a man who needed physical healing. He saw a man who was dying from loneliness. He was dying from loneliness. And man, if there is a time in history when we can identify a little bit with that, it's been through this last year with COVID, huh? People living in isolation, being all alone. So when Jesus, when, when you read this story, you, what you got to see is woven all through this story from the fact that Jesus not only talked to the man, he touched the man. Not only when, when you see what Jesus told the guy, he said, now don't, you know, don't go out, tell everybody. I want you to go to the priest. I want you to offer the sacrifice. What was Jesus trying to do? Jesus was trying to help him be restored to the community so he could be back around people because that was the great need in his life. Now, one of the things when I was reading this, it hit me when I saw what Jesus was doing was I realized that we forget how important relationships are to God. You know, when we think of our spiritual journey, can we be honest? Most of us simply think about it's me and God. And so we, we read our Bibles, we pray, you know, we, we give our tithe, we, you know, we, we talk, you know, we go to Bible studies, we do, we do all of these things because we think it's just about us and God, but it is so much more. Do you know that God is as, uh, it is as important to God how you deal with the people around you as it is how you deal with him? Don't believe me? Look at what Jesus said. Jesus was asked outright, what's the greatest commandment? And here's what Jesus replied, Mark chapter 12. 
Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Now read this next statement that Jesus made out loud. Read this out loud with me. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is more is greater than these. Now, equally important. Circle that on your outline if you're taking notes. Equally important. In other words, Jesus is saying, do you understand in the mind and heart of God that yes, he wants us to be right with him, but it is just as important what's going on between you and other people. Think about this with me. <clears throat> when you read the Old Testament, do you realize that six out of the 10 commandments have nothing to do with us and God? It has to do with us and each other. Six out of the 10. When you watch how Jesus taught did you notice how over and over and over again, Jesus talked about how we treat each other, how we deal with each other, the attitudes we take toward each other? Throw that image up on the screen for me. You see, when we think about uh, what it really means to be holy, we think about this vertical relationship. We think about, you know, as long as I'm talking to God, and as long as I'm, you know, worshiping God, as long as I'm doing everything, you know, to, that I'm supposed to do with God, I'm okay. But look, look at the other part of the cross. It's the horizontal relationships. You know, one of the greatest lies that we've ever bought into is that we can be right with God without being right with each other. And God just says it's just not that way. And what Jesus was doing in this man's life, don't miss this, what Jesus was doing in this man's life is the same thing he wants to do in our lives. He wants to make us not only right with God, him, he wants to make us right with each other. I, I know some of you, when you look at me and you see me as a pastor, you think I'm a, I'm a perfect individual. Why are you laughing at that? No, I'm not. I am just a man. In fact, I proved that over and over again. Yeah, several years ago, I was pastoring in Pennsylvania. Um, one morning I got up and I was, I, I was in a hurry uh, to get to work. And um, at that stage of my life, I'd have to say I was, I was a workaholic. Um, I was addicted to trying to be a successful pastor. Um, I was just, you know, intense and all that kind of stuff and, and way more so than I should have been. And that particular morning, I, as I got up, I was, I was heading out the door. And as I was going through, heading toward the door, Wanda came in the room. She goes, hey, um, had, a, had a, a manila folder. She goes, do you mind making some copies for me? And I turned and I looked at her and I said, Fine, I don't have anything else to do today. Now, aren't you glad you don't live with me? No, I don't need any amens. No, no, no. And my wife um, looked at me and she said, you know, forget it. I'll just do it myself. I shrugged my shoulders and I walked on out the door. I got to my office, our office was in a house right next door to the church, and I walked in and touched base with my secretary, got everything lined out, then I went up to the second floor where my, my office was, and I, I closed the door because now it was 
time to spend some time with God. And I opened my Bible and I was having my devotion that morning. That particular morning I was reading in Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, as I'm reading down through there, Jesus makes this statement. He says, and if any of you find yourself at the, at the altar offering your gift and you remember that someone has something against you, go make it right with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, hear my heart. I wasn't really trying to meet God. I was just trying to have my devotions. You know what I'm saying? I was just trying to do my thing before I got, got to work. And I'm reading, you know, I'm reading that, and all of a sudden, that particular day, God decides to show up in my office. And as he drew near, here's what he said. And Steve, when I say, make it right with your brother, I mean your wife also. And I start arguing with God. You ever do this? I'm saying, no, God, you know, I've had Greek. That, that Greek word is really a word for brother, not wife. And then God, God said, I wrote it. Don't tell me what I wrote. I know what, I'm, I know what it's supposed to be. And I'm arguing back and forth. And I said, well, God, you know how she is. You know, you know how difficult she is to get along with. You know, you know how controlling she can be. And, I, and I'm, I'm arguing back and forth. And God just goes, says, keeps over and over again, go make it right. Go make it right. Go make it right. And I'm going, God, come on. You know I'm not a morning person. You know, you know I'm just not. And, and over and over again. And finally I realized I'm not going to get anything done today until I deal with this. And so I go downstairs and I tell my secretary, I say, you know what? I got to run home and I'll be back in a little bit. And so I, I get my car, I drive home, I come in the house, and Wanda hears the door, and she comes in the living room, and she sees me, and she goes, what are you doing home? And I, I, I looked at Wanda, and I, I said, I, I am so sorry. I love you more than life, and I talk to you so harshly this morning would you forgive me and Wanda came running across the room and I grabbed her and we cried and we hugged and we kissed and we kissed some more and the rest of that is really none of your business <laughs> God taught me a really good lesson. That it's not acceptable in his sight to be a great pastor and a lousy husband. It was just as important to God that I treat my wife well as it was that I honor him well. Does this make sense to you? Now look at me. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to get into your head. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on in your life. But here's what I want you to know. The relationships that you have, husbands and wives, families, friends, people at work, doesn't matter. God wants you to be right with them as well as right with him. And, and I know if you're like most of us, sometimes we get at odds with people. Now, and hear my heart. You, you, can't, make, you can't do it from their end. You can't make people be in relationship with you. And I know some of you have tried. You can't, you know, do their part. Paul says, live in peace so long as it depends upon you. But here, here's what I know. I guarantee you there are some of us, God is nudging us, has been nudging us, telling us, you know what, there are some relationships. You need to take a step in faith and you need to try to make right because it's important to me that you're right with them just like you're right with me. Amen. 
God cares about your relationships as much as he cares about your soul. Here's a second thought from this text. You can't find healing while you're still hiding. You can't find healing while you're still hiding. Again, when I was reading the text, this story this week, it it hit me how this leper totally broke protocol. You know, again, he was not supposed to be around people. He wasn't supposed to be anywhere near where people were gathering. And yet, uh, this guy who has been in isolation, he took a risk. He took a big risk. He goes before Jesus, and the Bible says he threw himself on the ground before him. He knelt before Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can do this. And I thought to myself, you know, how many of us who have been in isolation, how many of us are living in isolation? How many of us are dealing with stuff in our life that we know God needs to deal with, but we're so afraid of bringing it into the light? And I realize, you know, we, we spend so much of our lives hiding, and we get it honestly. Go way back to the garden. Remember the story of Adam and Eve when they sinned? And all of a sudden, they realized that they sinned, and here comes God. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Read it with me. And they, and they did what? They hid. Don't we do that? We get this issue that we know God's not happy with in our life, and, and yet we don't want to bring it into the light. We don't want to deal with, for some of us, it becomes uh, this, this stronghold in our life. For some of us, it becomes this addiction that we can't seem to quite squeeze out. And, and, and yet, that's where God wants to go with us. He wants to go to those secret places, and he wants, to, he wants to root that out so that we can be free. How many of us in our marriages have this stuff going on between us? And we dance around it and we, and we pretend like it's a big deal, but we know it is a big deal. We're, we're at odds with each other and we just allow these walls to, to be built. And again and again, God brings us back to, this is what I need to deal with. And yet we hide. We hide. We have relationships in our life with our kids, with our parents, with friends. We have this stuff and, and yet rather than come forward and lay it before God, we try to tuck it away. Look at me. I love you, but you've got to get this. This is such a profound point that the leper teaches us. You'll never find healing as long as you're hiding. You'll never find healing as long as you're hiding. Here's what I want to tell you. God is a lot more willing to work in that relationship or in that place than you think. And sometimes even the people you get at odds with are a lot more willing to receive you than you can imagine. I have a a friend uh, several years ago, he had a, a street ministry down south. And he used to minister to to homeless people. And one year he got this really great idea back in uh, like 2003. He decided that uh, these homeless people get estranged from their families. And uh, this is back when, you know, cell phones were still fairly new, but, um, but they had no way to contact their families. And he decided he would do something uh, that I thought was kind of a cool idea. He decided on Mother's Day weekend that he would make his cell phone available for any of these homeless people that would like to call their mother on Mother's Day weekend or call a family member. 
And uh, so on, he kind of posted some things around in an area where homeless people gathered and a place where he used to minister to them. And on, he did a Saturday and Sunday, and he said he was blown away how many people came to make that phone call. And he said he was just blown away. He said at one point, he said there was a line like a block long of homeless people waiting in line. Some of them waited up to four hours, he said, to get a chance to make their phone call to contact a family member. And he said, I had this first front row seat of listening in as these people got in contact with their family. Some of them had been weeks, some of them had been months, and some of them, it had been years since they'd ever talked to someone in their family. And he said, so many of them were these people who were homeless. They were homeless because of really bad choices that they made. Many of them were on drugs. Many of them, some, several were, were alcoholics. Some of them, you know, had just had got away from their family, and they were just overwhelmed by, sh- uh, by, by shame and guilt, and they were just overwhelmed by all of this stuff in their life that they couldn't seem to get through, and they believed that no one wanted to talk to them. And as they made that phone call, they were astounded how willing parents were to receive that call. One, one mother, he said, who made the call was a, a woman who had gotten addicted to drugs and went into prostitution. And he said she had been on the street for a long, long time, estranged from her family. And she said she was, he said she was overwhelmed by guilt because of being away from her kids and what they'd done. And when she called and she talked to her, her children, he said she just broke down on her, fell on her face on the, on the sidewalk, just cried and cried and cried. The other really cool thing that happened was for at least a half a dozen or so of these homeless people, they made the phone call and they got off the phone. And you know what? Family members came to pick them up and take them home. Many of them believed that no one wanted them. But that was just a lie the enemy told them to keep them captive. When they came out of hiding, they were able to find healing. Amen? Now, I just want to press that upon you. Because some of you, I know you're in isolation and you're hiding. Some of you think no one cares, but they do. Some of you think that this person that you're estranged from doesn't want to hear from you, but often they do. Some of you have done some stuff that you just don't ever feel that you can get past and stuff that you don't think God can forgive you of, but you know what? He can. You come out of hiding, you can trust God to do the healing. Let me give you one more thought. Never underestimate God's power nor his passion. Never underestimate God's power nor his passion. Jesus looked at them. This is from Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It says, Jesus looked at them and said, read it with me, church. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Look at me. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that with God, all things are possible? You see, here's a guy who's a leper. And he said, Jesus, if you're willing, I believe you can heal me. I believe you can heal this leprosy, which Jesus could and did. But Jesus was also able to do something that I don't think had ever entered the radar screen for this leper. Jesus was able to restore him to this community that he had been away from for who knows how long. God has power that sometimes we don't even realize. 
Sometimes we think that maybe God can do this, but he can't do that. No, no, no. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, say it with me, all things are possible. And not only the power that God has, but what about the passion? What about the passion? Did you catch this in the story? When the guy says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And then what did Jesus do? Anybody? He touched him. Did you catch that? He touched him. Now, again, think with me. This is a guy who ceremonially is unclean. This is the guy that wasn't supposed to be near anyone. Do you realize that when Jesus touched him, Jesus actually, by law, was defiling himself by touching this man? Why did he do it? Could Jesus not just say it? I mean, he did. We know that. There were times Jesus said, be healed, and they were healed, didn't say anything about touching him. We know that Jesus said that to people who had uh, friends or family in other places, and he said, go, your faith is healed. And we know, that Je- we know that Jesus could have just spoke the word, but he didn't. He touched the man. Why did he do that? Because Jesus knew how long it had been since this man had felt a human touch. And I promise you that leper went to tears the moment he felt Jesus' hand upon him. That's the passion and the compassion of God. Look at me. God's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of the stuff in your life. He's not afraid to reach down right where you are and touch you. I love this passage of Scripture from Psalm 145, 8 and 9. Read it with me, church. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Look at me. You see, we get these images sometimes that God is this angry God who wants nothing to do with us, and that is so wrong. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. So I put the statement on your outline. You know what? Jesus is not just the Savior that you need. He is the friend that you are looking for. There are some of us, I promise you, we've wondered, is there anyone anywhere that I can really count on? Is there anyone anywhere that will accept me as I am? Is there anyone anywhere that really is willing to never leave me, not abandon me? There is. God himself has said it. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I love what Proverbs says. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends will soon come to ruin. Read it with me. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is, church, Jesus. If you've never confessed your need to Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, never allowed him to forgive you of your past, and step into a right relationship with him. Today, you can do that with a very simple prayer. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. But here's what I want you to know. God wants to do something more than just save you. He wants to restore you. You know, when you look at this uh, wall, I, I can still remember when back in 82 and 83 when, when they were building this. 
just such a beautiful rock wall. Maybe, what, 10 feet high, probably. And I thought about when I was working on the message that that's the kind of wall that some of us have in our lives. Some of us have a wall like that between us and God. Some of us have a wall like that that's between us and someone else. And then I thought about the fact that, you know, when I was watching him put that wall up and, you know, they were placing those rocks, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't start out that tall. It starts out just a little rock here and a little rock there. And that's what happens in so many of our relationships. And some of you, I know that in your marriages, may not be a wall that big, but I bet there's some rocks. And for some of us, between us and some other people, there, there's a rift. It's not a huge wall like that, but there's some, there some rocks. And if we let it go, and then we let it go, how are walls like this built? Just one rock at a time. Well, I, I want to challenge you with something today. I want to do something just a little bit different. But I want to challenge you to take a step of faith today. I want to challenge you to let God do a restorative work in your life. And maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe it's for you in a relationship. Or maybe this morning as I was preaching, you were, you were thinking of someone close to you who has been talking about a relationship in their life and this wall was there. But here's what I want us to do. On either side of the front here today, we've got a table that has some rocks on them and and what I'd like you to do for those of you who would like to take just a step of faith today is I'd like you to just come down and, and take a rock and I, I want you to think about the wall that you want God to remove. Like maybe it's the wall between you and him. Maybe it's the wall between you and someone else. Or again, maybe, maybe you're coming on behalf of someone close to you to say, God, there's a wall that's got to come down and only you can do it. And I invite you just to take that rock and just to lay it on the altar. And just ask God to do a restorative work in your heart, in your life, or for someone close to you that you know. Um, next few moments, we're just going to enter into a time of prayer. And, and tables are open for all of you who have come. You can see the rocks on the altar from the first service. But Rachel's just going to play lightly underneath. And I'm going to invite you right now, for those of you who would like to come, just to go ahead and start coming. Take your rock, put it on the altar. Let this be your moment with God where you ask him to begin to take down the rocks, take down the walls in your life. Go ahead. Feel free to begin to come, folks, whoever wants to. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, what a, what a risk that leper took that day. What, a, um, what an incredible act of humility for him to come out of hiding and with his uncombed hair, his torn clothes, and covered in ashes and dirt, and smelling bad. What an act of humility for him to throw himself before you and ask you to work a miracle in his life. But it was that step of faith, it was that step of humility that allowed you not only to heal him, but to restore him to the community around him. And Father, you reminded me this week of that's the work that you want to do. 
You want to heal us with you. And Lord, for every person today that laid a rock on this altar and they they want you to tear down the wall that's between you and them, Father, would you reach out and touch them right now? Lord, we usually don't take just big leaps away from you. We usually just drift away from you one day at a time. And sometimes before we know it, Lord, we're a long ways away. And today, God, that rock we're putting, we, we want you to just take us back right now. Wrap your arms around us. Tear down that wall. Lord, bring us near. We want to be restored to right relationship with you. Some of these rocks, Lord, stand for marriages. Marriages between husbands and wives who are finding that there's some scar tissue developing between them. There are some things that happen that have caused them to drift apart. And there are some things, Lord, that have begun to begin to happen that, that they're beginning to build that wall taller and taller. And God, we know that these are the things that makes the enemy just smile with glee. But Father, we rebuke him today. And we pray that you would tear down that wall. That, Father, that you would join husbands and wives back together. That they would humble their hearts, not only before you, but before one another. That they would cling to one another again. That they would let you wrap your arms around them to bring healing and wholeness to their homes. Some of these rocks, Lord, represent relationships between parents and kids. Some of these rocks represent relationships between us and other family members. Some of these rocks represent uh, relationships between us and, and other people that we know. Some of these rocks, Lord, are not for us at all. They're about some people in our life. And we're watching them live in isolation. Or these are about relationships that we see that we are so afraid that if they don't do something soon, they're not going to make it. And God, you know where all of those people are right now. And we're going to pray, Lord, in faith. We're going to ask you right now that wherever they are, that you would stretch out your hand, that you would lay it upon them, that you would bring healing to their soul, that you'd bring healing to their mind, that, again, whatever estrangement is there in their lives that you would tear down those walls and set them free. Lord, my, my mind, I'm thinking about some weeks after the leper had been healed, and after he finally made his way to the priest and showed that he didn't have the disease anymore, and he offered the sacrifice, and he took a bath, and he put on clean clothes. And I'm just thinking about that that first day back in the temple, that first day back in the synagogue. And how wonderful it must have felt for him to finally be around people again. And Lord, you created us from the very beginning. You said it when you made us in flesh and blood. You said it's not good for man to be alone. So God, we pray today from the bottom of our hearts. You who can do this redeeming work and make us right with you, would you also do a restoring work? Give us that restoring hope that we need to live in right relationships with one another. We love you so much, God. It's in your precious name that we pray today. And everyone said,